Welcome to another edition of the Morning Devotional. Today is Monday, September 4th, 2023. This is edition number 150 of season 8 as we continue looking at the Westminster Confession of Faith. My name is Pastor William Hill, the pastor of Providence Presbyterian Church located in Evansville, Indiana. Today we come to uh, the second paragraph of chapter 27 as we continue to look at matters related uh, to the sacraments of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray first and then we'll look at paragraph number two. Our Father in heaven, as we humble ourselves once again before you and before your throne, we acknowledge to you that you alone are sovereign. You are alone uh, a good and gracious and kind and compassionate God, not treating us as our sins deserve, forgiving our transgressions and iniquities as we seek your face. We pray that as we consider these matters found in your word, that you would give us understanding, that your spirit would guide all that we say and hear, that we would be doers of your word and not hearers only. We pray these things for Christ's sake. Amen. Well, we come to uh, paragraph number two now as we have been introduced in paragraph one to matters related to the sacraments of the Lord Jesus Christ. Sacraments are holy signs and seals of the covenant of grace immediately instituted by God, and we considered those four aspects related, uh, the four functions related to the sacraments um, as given to us by Christ. We come to paragraph number two, which reads, there is in every sacrament a spiritual relation or sacramental union between the sign and the thing signified. Whence it comes to pass that the names and effects of the one are attributed to the other. Now, this paragraph may, for most people, for many of you, it may be very confusing. You may read this and say, I have absolutely no idea what they're talking about. This is uh, language uh, that is very foreign to me. And, and thankfully, we have help uh, in these things. We have uh, God-gifted men who have written on matters pertaining uh, to these uh, to these things. But what we have here really in this second paragraph is this idea of a sacramental union between the sign. Okay, so we're talking about baptism of the Lord's Supper. We're talking about the sign, the water, or uh, the sign of the bread, the bread that's the body of Christ, the, the wine, which is the blood of Christ. And the thing that they signify, what are they representing to us as uh, as those who participate or partake of these sacraments given to us by the Savior. I'm going to just read um, from Dr. Van Dixhorn's commentary on confessing the faith. He says it is about as well as I'm ever going to be able to. Uh, th- th- these words are found on page 360 of his commentary. He says this, to say that sacraments, to say that sacraments sign, seal, and represent something or someone is to say that there is in every sacrament a spiritual relation or sacramental union between the sign and the thing signified. In fact, sometimes when the scriptures speak about the sacraments and salvation, occasionally the names and effects of the one are attributed to the other. And so now he gives some examples of this. In the Old Testament, God actually calls the sign of circumcision itself my covenant. We find that in Genesis chapter 17 and verse 10. In the New Testament, the cup of wine is called the blood of the covenant, Matthew 26, verses 27 and 28. 
The Apostle Paul, perhaps speaking of baptism, refers to the washing of regeneration in Titus 3.5. The Apostle Peter says that baptism saves you, 1 Peter 3.21. Now let me just pause there before I continue reading from Dr. Van Dixhorn's commentary, just to be very clear about what he is not saying. He is not saying that Paul is saying, or Peter is saying, that baptism does save you, that it has some efficacious work in the and, and bringing justification to the sinner. But it is being attributed that way. That is the point of the paragraph, that the sign and the thing signify when it comes to pass the names and effects of the one are attributed to the other. And so here, baptism is closely aligned with the doctrine of salvation, but it is not salvation itself. That would turn it into a work that would violate many different aspects of Scripture. But we don't want to divorce the sacrament so dramatically from the thing that it actually signifies uh, to the recipients of baptism. Well, he goes on. In the second paragraph, the confession is really offering a manual for the right reading of scriptural terminology. It is telling us how terms are sometimes used in the Bible. The fact is, God chose his sacramental signs, that is to say, baptism and the Lord's Supper, so well that sometimes a saving reality and the thing that signifies it are spoken about interchangeably in his holy word. Understanding this will help us to understand the Bible better, and it will keep us from building a ground, building a grand sacramental system on a wrong foundation. So, This is to say that we need to take all of Scripture into consideration when we read language that appears to say something that other parts of Scripture would clearly contradict. The example I gave referencing the 1 Peter 3.21 passage. If you read 1 Peter 3.21 in isolation, then perhaps you might be tempted to think, well, here uh, Peter departs from the uh, the Apostle Paul, he, uh, he departs from uh, various other p- points of Scripture and makes this grand statement of which some false teachers in the church, or maybe not the church, make. And, and so he's, it, it, in 1 Peter 3.21, the way the ESV translates it, baptism which corresponds to this now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subdued having been subjected to him. Do you need to back up and you read uh, what he is referencing? He is talking about the flood. He is talking about that flood being a type of baptism. And that type did indeed save Noah and his family uh, from the flood waters. But that was the means by which God used to save them. God saved them. He used the ark and other aspects to save them. And so Peter here is not saying... That baptism in and of itself, just merely by the fact that an infant gets wet or, a, or an adult gets baptized, they are automatically in the kingdom of God. They are now saved simply because they got wet. That is not the point at all that Peter is making here, but it looks that way because the sign and the thing signified is so closely related to what it does in fact signify. So we need to make sure we take into account all of what Scripture teaches on matters in, this, in these areas and and read it in a right manner. So in some sense, the confession is indeed teaching us how we might read these things in a way that is agreeable to the whole of Scripture. Obviously, if Peter is saying that baptism saves you in and of itself, that it's, it's 
operating in the Latin, the ex opere operato, that from the outside in, if it's actually doing that on its own in some magical, mystical way, then we have to reconcile the host of other scriptures that talk about salvation is a gift of God, faith is a gift of God. It's not by works, it's not by any effort on our own, but it's merely by a gift of God, the Holy Spirit himself. And so we have to be very careful that we don't fall into error and pronounce, as some churches, not churches, have said that uh, baptism uh, is required for salvation, that uh, baptismal regeneration is part and parcel of what the Bible teaches. It doesn't teach that at all. Uh, those people will have to reconcile with matters pertaining to the thief on the cross who was never baptized. Perhaps he was circumcised, but he was never baptized um, under the terms of the covenant of grace. And so, while this second paragraph can be somewhat confusing and you probably find very little devotional help from it, just understand what it is trying to accomplish here and reconcile matters that are more difficult in Scripture that we might see Indeed, the sign and the thing signify closely aligned with the things that it signifies, but it is not the thing that it signifies. The illustration I think I used yesterday is that a stop sign uh, is a sign. It tells us something, but it doesn't stop for me. It doesn't have any power in and of itself. It simply stands there and tells me something. I can choose to ignore it. I can choose to not ignore it, but the fact remains it doesn't do the work for me. That is something that God, only the God, the Holy Spirit, is able to do. Baptism does not save me. Taking the Lord's Supper does not save me either. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. But it is so closely aligned with it that sometimes Scripture places them very close uh, to one another. <coughs> well, I trust these times are helpful for you. I hope they are. If you have any comments or questions, you can leave me a note. The way to reach me is there before you on the screen. And so until the Tuesday edition... We consider paragraph number three and a controversy that has fallen out from this paragraph as well as uh, paragraph number four. Uh, may the Lord help you and bless you as you walk with him. God bless.